Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello, then, and welcome to this episode of the Matchball Podcast. Stoke City nil, Leeds United 3 I'm Dan Moylan. Hello. Michael Normanson's here with me as well. Hello. And down the line from, well, where, where are you, Moscow? Staffordshire University. I thought I'd come and, uh, after Leeds United against Stoke and education today, I came to get an education at university after the match. You've been in the uh, the press box today, is that right? I was, and they, they weren't keeping it open long enough for me to hang around, so I've had to come and find a, um, an outdoorsy area. The students all seem to be away, so I'm sitting in the sunshine outside. You may hear, hear occasional seagulls. Um, in the background, you won't be able to hear the rats unless something really goes wrong. But I've seen a few of those scurrying around as well. But, uh, yeah, I'm enjoying uh, being a Leeds fan at the moment. It is very nice, isn't it? And that was a great performance today. After what was actually probably quite a, it was a, a careful first sort of half an hour or thereabouts, wasn't it? I thought it was the worst opening ten minutes we've had to a game. Actually, they looked quite up for it, and I was we couldn't really string anything together, and I was starting to get a little bit worried. Um, and then basically we scored and they gave up instantly. Yeah, there was a really interesting moment shortly before we scored where Adam Forshaw was on halfway and he was looking left and right for a ball and he ended up kicking it back to Kiko Kassir and kind of walking through midfield, like saying to everybody, like, are you guys going to give me an option so I can uh, get some passing going? And then about two minutes later, um, he looked up on halfway and he got that option quick was there. One touch to Pablo, Pablo one touch to Dallas. Naturally, our right back is running through on goal. And uh, yeah, it became a lot easier after that. That first goal was spectacular, wasn't it? I mean, what a move. Just the quick interchange, Harrison laying it off and Pablo's vision. Because Pablo, let's be fair, hadn't been great up to that point. He was struggling to get into the game. A couple of misplaced passes that I, I just jotted down on a piece of paper. And then suddenly, Pablo just doing Pablo things. It was just lovely, wasn't it, Michael? Did he shoot from halfway as well at some point? Someone had a shot from halfway. Like, I'm pretty sure yeah, it was Pablo. Awful. Yeah, it went about it was. 30 yards wide. But anyway. Yeah, it was very low as well. It, it didn't... Uh, didn't work at all, but that was a sign of the frustration, yeah. But that pass was, it was such a lovely weight on it as well. It wasn't just the, the angle he managed to slip it through. It was exactly the pace you'd want to just run onto it. And then, like you say, how do you how do you defend about against a right-back being there at that point in the game? It's it's very hard to do deal with that in training, I suppose. Did you notice that we'd overloaded the left as well? We did the asymmetric thing, and that's why Dallas had so much space to run into, that we'd pulled everybody left to uh, pull them all out of position, and suddenly... Dallas has got acres. But yes, fine point on that is that that pass through from Pablo was just long enough that you had time to think, ooh, I hope he's weighted that absolutely perfectly and that lands just right. Oh, it has. Oh, super. Oh, that's super. 
Yeah, it was the excitement once he saw Dallas was actually through was a real thrill because it had been, Stoke kind of came out, I think Nathan Jones might have said to them, please don't get me the sack today. And there was, because he got rid of six changes he made and he got rid of some of the, the big name players. And um, so he's, he's putting his face in the team. has got an 18-year-old centre-half as captain. Um, and they did look up for it. They were at least uh, willing to fight leads for the first half hour. But then suddenly that happened. And it's something about uh, Pablo in particular. is Something like that will happen. And you don't necessarily know where it's come from. Uh, but your right back is then one on one with the keeper, and uh, um, glad he finished it. That's always that was the next thing. It's like that pass was so beautiful. Dallas better score, and he just not he just nicely opened up his body and slotted it to the keeper's uh, keeper's left, didn't it? To our right, he looked very confident. Yeah, Dallas had been, could not have done better. He'd been a little bit troubled in the early stages as well. At, um, at Dallas, he, McLean got the better of him a couple of times early on, and I was kind of fearful of how it might go for him. But he he came into it defensively as well, and then. Like I say, once we scored, McLean seemed to stop bothering, really. He was like, oh, we're not going to get another goal here. It seemed to go to McLean's head a bit. He beat Dallas twice, and then uh, on the next occasion, you kind of beat him and then went back for another nibble, and then uh, other players came back to help. And I think that was the last time he really got um, anything out of Dallas. It was just like, yeah, he thought, oh, I can toy with him. But, I mean, you're in a relegation battle with Stoke. You don't need to be torturing or attempting to torture Stuart Dallas at right back, who uh, who then had no more problems with him whatsoever after that. I think about halfway through that first half um, as well, you kind of sensed it's when we had our first spell of pressure and you thought, if we can just keep this pressure on a little bit, you, you felt the crowd was starting to turn. Was it like that in the stadium, Moscow? Uh, yeah, and I think we've done that similarly against Wigan and Brentford, where the, the first 10, 15 minutes have been kind of, you think, oh God, this team's like, come looking up for it today and then uh, we just go no seen enough and get a grip on it yeah the, they started off uh, the first five minutes Stoke were booing us for having possession the fans were booing us um, and then that gave way stopped and um, yeah they went very quiet after that there was the, the chance of uh, Potter's Potter's uh, just disappeared um, well I guess we'll talk about the end of the game when we get to the end of the game but they, they weren't a happy bunch it seems like Stoke don't have any identity at the moment. I feel, I feel like for years you knew what you were getting with Stoke. It was a hard place to go. It was always quite noisy. It was full. Whereas today it looked half empty. It was a glorious sunny day. There was none of the tough wet Tuesday night at Stoke business around it. It was like playing in Madrid. And they, they just didn't seem to have any, any particular... I, I struggled really to tell what they were trying to do on the pitch. It was like they just sent out some players to try and play some game. Well, we, um, you know, we follow other fanzines on Twitter. We follow Duck Magazine, which is the, the Stoke one. And they were sort of saying it was almost like a training exercise for Leeds. And they, they posted a picture of what is normally a busy car park outside the stadium at the end of the game. Just no one there, just a kid running through on his own. It was just completely empty. We just, I think there's, there's been a complete change of um, atmosphere at Stoke. Yeah, loads of people got up at 3-0 and there was still 25 minutes left. Um, we may as well uh, go straight to it because that first goal did basically win the game. When uh, Nathan Jones eventually came in for his press conference because he took ages um, to turn up and it was all very nervous-looking uh, press staff at Stoke and people just kind of looking at each other going, like, oh, do, you think, do you think they're stacking him downstairs? Or uh, He did show up and what he was saying was that they, the team just seems they do all right and they can see and just give up and he seemed uh, like he didn't necessarily have any answers to deal with that he started getting into that thing of you know when a manager's saying maybe it's time then 
they might want to start looking at another manager. That's that's never a good sign if they're saying that. But yeah, the, the thing of uh, the confidence is raining out as soon as they concede. Um, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but from memory, I think he did say that like, we, we concede a goal and just give up. If he didn't use those words, that was certainly his implication. Which is hilarious. Maybe a lot easier for us. I think it comes around as well that from from not having a proper plan though. Whereas I think I think if we go behind the the players have got faith in a system and a plan that's been put in place and worked on that they go okay we we can go behind but we can still actually come back and win this because we have methods of doing it. Whereas yeah, the big, they have a they have an air of a team that are just like well that's done then that was our chance at nil nil and now that's finished. Yeah, the biggest thing that kind of stood out to me about what he did today was he dropped six players and then uh, with 20 minutes to go um, I, think, I can't remember if it was 2-0 or 3-0 when he started making subs and he brought uh, Joe Allen on and Tom Ince, two, two mm-hmm. of the players he dropped I thought if, you, if this game's lost why are you bringing on these players that you were making kind of a point about not putting in the team, although he said afterwards that Joe Allen wasn't dropped, he was left out of the team, very different um, <laughs> and suggests to me that uh, maybe he doesn't want to upset Joe Allen more. He's all like he's had a very hard summer of international football. We've got to rest him. But yeah, I just didn't see the rationale in like kind of if you're making this, I am changing half the team and I'm going to, uh, especially the Jack Butland thing, I guess he didn't bring him back on at least. But um, I've been kind of going back on it when you, the game's already gone. Tom he had a couple of shots, but um, he wasn't going to score three times. He's wasting everyone's time, is Tom Ince. He should just retire. <laughs> He does this every year. He goes. He seems to move every, pretty much every summer to a team that's expected to do well. He doesn't do well, and then he moves on to another team that's expected to do well, and he drags them down as well. He needs to just we're stop. Probably, uh, we're talking a lot about Stoke here, but I think that just kind of sum up when you look through their, their squad. Like, what's Joe Allen doing there still? You think everyone expected him to leave when they got relegated from the Premier League, and then they were talking about moving this summer. But he's still just there. And same with Jack Butland as all the thought now, like, Oh, he's got a. Is he going to get in the team for his England career? Why is he still playing for fucking Stoke? <laughs> Federici as well uh, in their net looked like he wished Butland had been playing. Uh, there was one point I think at three 0 and he had to come out and tidy a through ball, which a defender yeah. should have dealt with. And you could see him just yelling at his defence like, "What the fuck are you all actually meant to be doing? This is your job." And when that when that starts to happen, that's when you know it's gone, don't you? But to draw the same comparison though, but apply it to Leeds, um, we looked. Like I said, the first 20 minutes, first half of the first half, like we were just feeling it out, but we always looked confident that there was a plan. And if we stuck to the plan, it would work. And we just, we did. We just bided our time, picked our moment, and we played within ourselves um, in that first half, I think, up to the goal. And then suddenly just waited it out, got our chance, put it in. And then from then on, it was pretty much plain sailing, wasn't it? The second yeah, half, quite. they wanted it over straight away. We scored and they were like, oh, please, that'll do. Can we all just go home? Yeah, I was quite. Uh confused by the first 15 minutes. I started off looking, uh, having a look at the stats and possession in the first 10 minutes was 50-50 pretty much. But we played about twice as many passes. We were already up to like 100 and something passes and they barely played 30 or something. So it was that weird deception of, I think it was um, yeah, Stoke were putting a lot of effort in but not really doing anything. And we seem to have the intelligence this season that we can kind of tell, like, this is okay. They're, they're kind of they're trying to mix it with us, but they're not actually going to lay a finger on us. And all the stuff we started playing in the second half, there was one moment where I think it might have been Click or Harrison, I can't quite remember, but they just did a kind of an instinctive no-look volley from the right wing um, up to the far side of the penalty area, just assuming that um, Alioski would be racing onto it. And he was, and he controlled it well and, and laid the ball off. And just these 
these kind of things where the players are really confident in what they're trying. I think it helped at that point that we were 2 or 3 nil up already. But, um, yeah, there's no... We haven't got the nerves of the end of last season and we haven't got that kind of shock of, uh, oh, we're actually good of the start of last season. It's just, yeah, we know what we're doing and we're really good at it and we're going to try things that we're confident will come off. And then they come off. Like the the first goal is a perfect example. It's like a couple of one-touch passes, beautiful through ball. And kind of watching it, you didn't know where it came from. It just came out of uh, nothing in the game. But the players, it's like, yeah, we can do that. When the opportunity's there, we'll see that pass. Bang. And so what you're talking about there, the nerves from last season, it feels like with each game that we, um, well, I know we didn't beat Forest, but with each game we win at the start of the season, those nerves within the fan base are getting less and less. And actually, we're seeing this side realise its potential a little bit. And and I know we've um, we've spoken about Bamford at length in the early part of the season. Today, I thought, was a great performance from him, particularly because he wasn't feeding on much service in the first half, but he still put all the running in. He was involved in the goals, obviously scored one of them himself. I just thought he had a really good game today. Yeah, he did. He, I thought he did well, really. So he didn't have an awful lot to do, but he was there in the right spot for when, um, for when it came back from the keeper. He, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt for his assist and say it wasn't a shot um, when it when it went to Alioski. It wasn't. That was a pass. Don't be daft now. It, it probably was. It, it was, a, was. That was. I think that was a pass because it's that. It's the classic Bielsa goal. It is. Put it across goal. Somebody comes in, usually the fullback, to tap it in. So you're not having that. I'm sorry. We're being nice I to Patrick. It was a pass. Yeah, you're being yeah, nice I, to Patrick. I did as well, really. Um, and then I, th- I think the thing as well now, not that it was needed, but when now we've got someone like Nketiah who can come on as well and Costa, like there's no way Stoke wanted that. When when they see those two warming up, they must just think, oh fuck off, come on, <laughs> just give up now, <laughs> leave us alone. Can't you, can you bring your sub keeper on or something up front? Just give us a little rest. I um, mean, we'll get on, we'll get onto the Costa chance in a bit, but um, I also want to give a word for. Um, Adam Forshaw, I thought he was great today and he's growing this season as well. He was everywhere today, picking all the right passes, just being tidy and efficient. And now he scored. He should have scored. Yeah. And after that, uh, when he got the ball back after that, when it rebounded to him, he was really desperate to have another shot, but then he kind of noticed, I think he was quick within a much better position on Dallas. And they were like, no, you have to give me this. You can't try again. Uh, but he was really torn. I think he really, really wanted that goal. And just back, back on Bamford, because I was, really making fun of him um, after the Brentford game and a few people did say like, you need to stop being me one I don't think you listen to the Match Ball podcast so um, I'm pretty uh, um, confident that anything I say about him is not going to affect him unduly but two yeah he was really really good today and I was thinking after the, the Brentford game kind of like why his performance kind of just grated on me a little bit where things seemed to be breaking down with him and he, he wasn't uh, and he didn't have the, the goal scoring impact that he had at Wigan even though we're talking tappings but he was there to put them in um, I, I, there does seem to be an away Bamford and an Ellen Road Bamford and it's, all his goals so far this season have been scored away and I think his good performances have, have been away Like I think he was great today I didn't think he was particularly great against Brentford um, and it could be I'm trying to decide it could be the psychological pressure of playing at Ellen Road and knowing that everybody is kind of I don't think the crowd necessarily gets on his back, but I think he's aware of the, the feelings about that. We want to see him scoring, and now NK is here and uh, instantly much more popular, as we saw the cheers when he started warming up. But then also, if there's something tactically as well, the, the way we get a bit more space away from home, because they teams have to attack us the way Stoke did at the start of this, the way Wigan started by going guns blazing, trying to uh, get in our faces, gives him 
um, just a better game to play that maybe suits him better. So um, probably our next home game, if he starts against Swansea, we'll probably do the match ball and we'll be like, fucking Bamford hasn't scored again, he's shit. shit. Um, and it could be that then, yeah, the next away game after that, will Lord Bamford arrives, you saints of goal scoring and beauty. Um, he could do with a goal at Ellen Road, I think. That would be nice. I always like to see him score. And he's got, and the way he took that uh, the goal today, coming in on the rebound, you just have that feeling that if that had been at Ellen Road, perhaps that would have gone over the south stand. But real confident finish, arrowed it into the net, goal and assist. Well done, Patrick. I hope your butler cooks you something very, very tasty this evening. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. And a word now about another star performer, Ben White. How good is he now starting to look? I mean, that dummy where he just let it roll through his legs on the touchline. I mean, the man has ice in his veins. How good was he today? He did two really good dummies, actually. There was one where they thought he was going to pass it back to the goalkeeper and he just did a little turn as they did. Nope, not this time. And it just, just kept momentum going. And that's what he does for us. He, he, we never have to go backwards when he's got the ball because he, he always just turns his way out of trouble and, and knocks it forward. Whereas most most of your basic defenders would either give it straight back to a goalkeeper to hoof clear or just hoof it into the stand themselves. Yeah, my favourite start of the season that I was tracking and that then... Uh... Philip Hay turned into a graphic in his last match report where it's uh, about passes coming into our box. Um, today, Stoke managed six, which is the record this season, but we, for context, we managed 12. Um, just nobody can get into our penalty area. Like, Kiko has got very little to do um, because Ben White just looks class. I thought, like, this is no slight on Liam Cooper to say that Brady came in and we didn't miss him. Um he, obviously, Berardi doesn't have the uh, the silky skills to uh, to dummy like uh, beautiful Ben White does. I did notice at one point Berardi and Alioski, um they managed to tackle somebody at left back, and I think they won a free kick out of it, and then they both kind of embraced. It was a, a little bit like the way Pontus Janssen celebrated a tackle on his own, except it was like a, a group huddle of his former brothers um, saying, like, yeah, we've defended this really well, and we were 3-0 up at that point. It didn't really matter. Um, so there is this... Uh, this pride in the defence now that seems to be just people are not going to get into our box 
and uh, and the speed with which uh, Ben White is able to dummy around a player and move the ball forward um, really helps us. Not to harsh on Pontus Janssen, make it always a direct comparison, but he used to stand on the ball, stop it, and look about, whereas Ben is just keep it rolling, couple of dummies, pass it forward, and no mistakes. If you want to hear our extended chat on Pontus Janssen, by the way, check out this week's Extra Ball. We have a good sort of 15 or 20 minutes with some clips in there as well from when you spoke to him at Thorpe Arch at the end of last season, Moscow. Well worth a listen. Plug, plug, plug. Uh, moving on to another um, star performer today. I want to have a word about Kiko because all the characters that we were kind of moaning about last season, to, you know, thinking like Kiko, Forshaw, Bamford, all now seem to be righting those, those wrongs. And I thought Kiko was really solid today. Some good saves. Commanded his box, didn't do anything stupid. Happy with him? I think with with goalkeepers, you generally think of them as some as their own little entity within the team, which I think in a lot of teams they are. They just you could bring someone in to just play in net, and they'd do fine whether they've been there a week or a year. Whereas I, I can potentially see that in a Bielsa side, you do need a bit of getting used to it, particularly when you've been mainly just knocking about in Real Madrid's reserves, which is, I imagine, a good standard, but not particularly. Uh, tasking on a, on a weekly basis whereas this I can see that maybe having a summer of getting used to it having maybe made a few mistakes in the past realising what needs a bit of adjustment maybe he's fixed yeah he did say uh, um, there was a talk apparently after the derby game he went straight to Bielsa and said um, I don't want to back out of this I don't want to hide from my mistakes I found it really tough moving here and going straight into the team and getting used to this but I want to come back next season um, on my extremely high wage and uh, and do better and you, you can't follow him but just, just for context I'm sitting in Stoke so I'm outdoors um, gang about I guess they're about 50 yards away five or six people just went past singing you'll never walk alone it's 10 to 7 on Saturday evening I'm pretty sure Liverpool are actually playing Arsenal at the moment they what are. is Stoke What what is the Somebody explain Stoke to me. I need to go home. <laughs> you're the, you're the one there. You should spend Saturday evening there and uh, report back when we do the main podcast later in the Maybe week. Maybe the hunting these uh, hunting these rats that keep running past me. Hey, so um, anyway, well, moving on. First goal, brilliant. Second goal, absolutely sensational passing move. It's getting like pure. I was in a state of almost I don't know like reverence elation in that second half watching that thing. And this is I'm just so glad we get to see this because that second goal was just beautiful. It was Pablo's little stabbed outside of the foot fucking deal with this sort of thing it was great it was it was so nonchalant but again perfectly weighted um just laid it on a plate it's it it works amazingly there was a similar move when it was costa had the end shot with well, that thunder bastard one that should have gone in yeah it was a really yeah. good save actually yeah, yeah. but the build-up to that as well we were it was taking a piss yeah i was, was going oh my god this is amazing <laughs> it was unfair on stoke really to, to do it to them because it, it did feel like we were just messing around at this point because the game was won and it was like we'd, we'd taken a foot off the gas really but then just for little 30 second spells we'd occasionally really really be cruel to them just pinging it around it was like a, a cat when it's catching a bird you know just haven't quite bitten its head off yet we're just toying with it paw paw claw it was great I just I just loved that second half it was just nice because I, I stopped making notes at 2-0 because I gen- generally you know scribble notes down in my phone knowing that we're going to do this just so I can remember what's happened 50 minutes I've put Alioski finishes a sensational passing move and then I've stopped after that, because I just needed yeah. to bask in the glory of it, because it was ace. What was it like in the stadium? Um, well, straight after that Costa chance that you talked about, when he, he just one-twoed in off the wing and then had a shot, um, the away end just started singing, we're taking the piss, <laughs> um, just to rub it in. And there was, uh, there was 
I mean, there was still enough Stoke fans left to be kind of disgruntled by that point. But it was beautiful. One of my uh, second half tweets was just, um, we're just keeping the ball and having lots of shots and it's dead good. And that was really like as deep as my analysis of uh, Leeds United's performance could kind of go. One of the weird things with the second goal was that because Pablo's pass came from so deep and was so sudden and smashed Stoke's entire defence to such smithereens, almost felt a little bit cheated in the ground where you don't have a replay because um, by the time you knew he was doing it, uh, the ball was already at Palioski's feet and he threw on goal. And it was, um, yeah, and so I, I, it was only one uh, looking at Twitter and seeing the video of it go back that you really get to appreciate it because you kind of, you want, when you see Leeds score a goal or goals like the score today, you want to be able to rewind it and just go back, like, where did that actually start? Where was the moment that um, it absolutely... Um, went from just a, a, a decent bit of possession to an absolute incredible moment of, of magic. Um, yeah, it, it takes you, it must. It almost feels a little bit like what it might feel like playing in centre-half to Stoke, because suddenly this thing has just happened and you've got, all you can do is respond and go, like, where the fuck did that come from? And that's the thing is there's like so many moving parts when you see these goals, the movement, the interchanges of passing, people unable to track runners. It's just, it's just, a, it is a work of art. It's a thing of beauty. And the third one was not dissimilar, was it? Even when certain bits of it aren't working as well as they can as well, we're kind of getting by. Like Pablo had a bad game the other week. Harrison was a bit off it today, made a few bad choices, but it didn't really matter because there's enough, there's enough going on with it that there's so many people there to get to pick up the ball and to and to make passes that it's it's fine. Well you yeah can... that that sorry that first goal exactly that neither Harrison nor Pablo had really got into it at all or produced anything clinical or or precise and then suddenly Harrison lays it off with one touch to Pablo who threads it through for that and you're thinking right yeah it, we know that we've got this in us even when it's not quite firing and we also know now off the bench and Ketia and Costa can come on and just keep up that pressure, that momentum, whereas before we were maybe bringing on Jamie Shackleton, and that's no slight against him, but when you look at Costa, a £15 million player, and Nketiah as well, who's going to you know, perhaps be up front for Arsenal in the not-too-distant future, it's all right to have that on the bench. It's not too bad, is it? And Nketiah looked very good when he came on. He had a one, uh, there was one beautiful touch and turn combined on halfway that then put him almost through on goal. He had to uh, run away from the defender who was trying to work out what just done to him. Um, and he couldn't quite make it into a, a shooting chance. But um, yeah, to have that kind of uh, talent in reserve um, is great. And to be able to uh, to not um, hammer Bamford into the ground if he's not scoring. like he, he got his goal and his assist today so he could kind of come off with a job well done. But we've seen games where you feel like it's not working for him and when we had the injuries last season we had no choice but to leave him on and just let him suffer whereas if that it does become a problem now it's like okay Pat you go and sit down that's okay Eddie's going to have a go now and uh, and it gives us just that little option I did notice when uh, Bamford came off and um, who was the other sub not quick Hernandez Bamford got a little pat on the tummy off Bielsa and uh, Pablo got a high five which Last season, it was noticeable that none of the players, he just ignored the, the players when they got subbed. And I've been noticing this a little bit with the things that Bielsa has been saying in press conferences about uh, how some of the injured players, we miss them as people rather than as uh, as bodies um, in the team. Um, and he seems to be just as maybe that little bit more warm 
an appreciation where I'm thinking, okay, I need to just go over and say the pat, I've subbed you off, but well done today, mm. um, which he wasn't doing last season. And maybe he's all just contributing to this sense of we're we're going to go through the entire season unbeaten and storm the league. Yeah, if well, if he humanises himself that little bit more in relation to the players, yeah, maybe getting soft in his old age, it maybe just helps with the like the harmony in the squad, just that little extra percentage perhaps. But um, great day all round. We're all absolutely delighted. So let's pick some early candidates for heroes and villains then for this week for the main podcast. Ben White, just because he's the best centre back I've ever seen. Patrick <laughs> <laughs> Bamford because he's the best centre forward I've ever seen today. <laughs> I think it's hard to pick. Uh, a man of the match out of all those players actually because Forshaw was great in the middle um, you'd have to say Pablo for his two passes yeah he's done well even though he had a, a fairly quiet game by his own just standards. did two absolutely world class yeah. passes <laughs> just, that's all, if you want to do that and we score from them that, that's fine Pablo uh, it's but- a, a strange thing I was sitting when we were waiting for Nathan Jones to come up uh, Joe off of the Yorkshire Evening Post was trying to do his um, his marks out of 10 for the paper and he was kind of uh, struggling a little bit because we was we saying everybody was just like they were all right like you couldn't say that any of the players today were like ten out of ten nine out of ten exceptional mind blowing performances just every one of them was really good and so he was kind of like I think I have to give them all like sevens and a couple of eights yeah, um, yeah it was like it was sorry it was it was like the archetypal Bielsa performance because it, it was the machine that functioned rather than yeah. any individual cog exactly and so you're not it's difficult to pick a um, a hero out of it and say, oh, that, that player is the, the reason we won. They were just, everybody was just good. Maybe we should nominate um, Stoke City because every single one of their players was really bad and that helped. I don't think that's why we won necessarily. I think we would have, we maybe would have won 1-0 against a good team the way we played today. I mean, we, but, could, uh, we could maybe pick out Tom Inns because of his heritage. Like, you know, we know his genes are, uh, are bad. Um, I, I did wonder if, Nathan Jones tried to punish Tommins because he had him on the sideline ready to come on for about 10 minutes and I think he just wanted the Leeds fans to really know he was there and it's like you know the song do it now when he stands up and you can do it again when he comes on yeah go warm up um Tom not that way that way <laughs> is um is Nathan Jones going to be making the trip to Leeds on on Tuesday or did he have his picture of uh of his last victory against us tucked under his arm on the way out Christ-like perform uh position on the touchline I mean he looked pretty broken in the press conference I don't know who the first person who was asking questions was but like okay so we waited for probably about half an hour after Bielsa finished for Nathan Jones to come in and that's unusual normally they're straight in and especially the way Bielsa goes on you think there, I've seen managers itching to get into the room so they can do their bit um, but there was a long wait and that's everybody thinking like something something bad going on and he comes in looking kind of ashen faced very, very quiet and low key and the first uh question was um you made a some very brave decisions today uh with the changes to your team how do you think federici did in goal and it's like what's what is happening with this question um and it took a while whoever the, i think it might have been like stoke's in-house media or something was all these things like were you uh, were you unhappy with some aspects of the defense today um <laughs> And once that was over with, the next person was like, how are you feeling the pressure? And he just broke into, uh, burst into, he didn't burst into tears. Um, no, he looked, uh, he looked done to me. He was, he was going down that line of saying something at this club's got to change, whether it's the manager, the players, the mentality, um, and sort of going through historically of like games when he first turned up, when it was like this, that they concede a goal and they concede. So he's almost saying like, I've been here 
eight months and I've not come up with an answer for the problems that were here when I arrived. It just felt um, like I really hope it's rags at least until Tuesday. And our reserves beat his reserves. What was Bielsa like then, just quickly? Um, pretty normal. It, he's, he's quite difficult to get at through uh, Carlos Corbran. And plus, some of the questions were a bit kind of, um, you know, it's all about can you keep it going at the top of the table and this kind of stuff. And we know what he, he always says about, so it's too soon to tell. We can't get too excited. There was a, a nice question from Aaron at the, the Leeds Live uh, bunch was asking about um, Pablo's positioning and him being much more central today. Um, and that got quite a detailed explanation of basically where every player was on the pitch in the system. <laughs> I love it. Which is probably worth going back uh, once it's transcribed, which Leeds Live are excellent for. They always put the transcripts up. Um, worth having a read and just kind of seeing, seeing uh, what he actually said because I was at the back of the room. And I was paying attention, I promise, but, you know. We just kind of my, fought, your mind wanders. Yeah, fawning over, just staring at him, thinking, I love you. Please don't That was kind me. of it because <laughs> I've not been in uh, any of the press conferences for a long time so I was kind of taking the opportunity to just kind of enjoy the fact that I was in the room with him again and not necessarily get too caught up on what he was saying because I can I can get that off a video or something later but yeah just having a, his, that proximity to God made me feel probably like uh, the exact opposite of Nathan Jones who's God I think has abandoned him completely Well Michael you uh, lost more money on Leeds United today which is good news for the rest of us Yep uh, £5 at half time and then I think when we went Two nil up. I put two pounds on the draw as well, just to cover just to cover off all um, all eventualities. So yeah, seven pounds down the down the pan, which is nice. Good stuff. Another more way. than happy with that. Seven, if seven pounds for a three nil win, who wouldn't pay it? <laughs> it is a small price to pay, it is, isn't it? Uh, so we're on for one hundred and thirty six points this year. Are we all up for that? Then the promotion train choo choo's on. It was very fun last year. All the last minute winners and stuff, the Blackburn Villa games and stuff. But if every if every minute of every game can be like the second half of this, that's fine. I won't get bored, I promise. Particularly the start of the second half, because only that 1-0 lead and thinking, well, Stoke were kind of battling in the first half. If if Nathan Jones puts the fear of God into them at half-time, then maybe they'll, they'll come out fighting. It's like, And they did have, they started with a chance. I think they had a shot in the first minute. And then we just went, no, I think we'll just go a really good goal. Had enough of this. And uh, and it was fine after that. I don't know I don't know why you even put on money for the draw at 2-0, because that game was done. I know, but um, just just, just covering it off. Just covering it off. <laughs> Bit of insurance, eh? Hey, well, listen, another great day then in the uh, in the life of following Leeds United. Safe travels back from Stoke, Moscow. All right, mate? Yeah, thank you. I'll have to um, wade through the rats and the, the Liverpool fans that don't seem to know that they're playing. Um, but yeah, it's a, nice, it's a nice sunny evening. It's okay. Very pleasant on the back of a Leeds 3-0 win. Thanks for listening to this uh, episode of The Match Ball. We'll speak to you soon. The Square Ball Podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 